Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. words. So we are talking again this week about Star Wars. We covered all nine of the like... The, the Skywalker saga. Like Skywalker we'll saga, okay. <laughs> Um, last week, and in kind of overviews, obviously, of kind of overviews of each of the trilogy sets and some of the themes we saw there, some of those mirrored themes and mirrored images, and and we talked a little bit kind of about Hero's Journey and stuff, which we'll come back to again later for another conversation, but, but sort of just some of those um, universal themes and some of the universal images and that get repeated throughout the stories. So we're just going to keep talking about Star Wars because, yep. you know, it's summertime and that's fun. <laughs> so we're talking more about Star Wars this week. <laughs> I'm going to let Laura jump in and leave off. Well, and I was wondering how you interpreted, because I think this is, everyone has their own interpretation of the okay. force okay. and and what it is. And like the force versus is the force like the light and the dark side the same as the sith and the jedi which i would say it's not but i'm i'm intrigued by i don't um, think of it as being the same as yeah. the sith and the jedi i think of it as being something that they use or align themselves with does that make sense like yeah they're like practitioners of yeah. a specific side yeah and i think it's interesting how it gets conflated with like the Jedi, and we touched on this a little bit, like the Jedi are good and they're with the light side of the force. So they are good and everything that they do and choose to do is good. And right. that the Sith are practitioners of the dark side of the force. And so they are bad and everything that they choose to do is bad. Okay. I, I think like we have to remove the systems of it. Like, I don't think anyone would say that what the Sith do is really beneficial to society. <laughs> no. um, but they are also constructs. They are constructs with rules. And mm. I think mostly in, from when you look at the Jedi in um, the Attack of the Clones, like there's actually an admission that their ability to wield the Force is waning. Yeah, That the um, practitioner of the Sith um, at the time, which you know, is Palpatine and Darth Sidious, they don't, right. they don't know it at the time, knows this. And they keep talking about a prophecy about bringing balance uh -huh. to the Force, which yeah. every time I hear that, I'm like, I, from the idea of what balance is, I almost want to, like, have a quick conversation with the Jedi and be like, <laughs> honey, <does> mean? <laughs> yeah, you have practiced and had power over this entire galaxy for like all of these years mm -hmm. and and yet i think that they've gotten so stagnated into their rules yeah. and what they think is the right thing like i get this feeling that they are no longer connecting to like the essence of what the force is anymore and yeah. it, it's almost like not that I think that a bunch of people deserved to, you know, long, no longer be alive, but it, it was kind of one of those things that they were 
they had already lost a lot of their connection to the forest and they were clinging like to the old ways. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you have one well, Luke, obviously as he's being mentored, takes some things, discards then, others. <laughs> yeah, just takes <laughs> off. It's like yeah. He's a little bit of a, a rebel character, sure. Yeah, yeah, he kinda is. I mean he like yeah. he's told to go kill Darth Vader and he's like yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I think that there's something very, I think there's something very profound there in that looking right. at, not conflating them, not thinking of them as the same thing and realizing that yeah. there's, there's a difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's a good versus evil story. And we're like, well, there's a little more, there's a little more <laughs> layers to those yeah. type of things. Even there's so many yin and yang symbols that show up throughout even canon, but in TLJ on the floor, uh, The Last Jedi, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm, okay. I promised I'm okay. that I would use episode <laughs> numbers. That's episode eight, um, the one with all the red. Um, yeah. And on the floor, like there's almost this Jedi yin yang where it yeah. shows the light and the dark, and then it shows yeah. the dark and the light. And I think what I loved about how it was described in The Last Jedi 1, like, the, how the Force is talked about is done in so many, like, oh, it's Metachlorians, and uh-huh. oh, it's this, and, you know, but I loved that it's, it's that balance between life and death, it's that balance between this and that, like, opposing forces that also have harmony with each other, yeah. and harmony with the, the world and the galaxy, and I think I like to take it as and look at that even just looking at what the two characters do as they actually have the potential to have certain parts of them that are connecting with the dark side of the force and the light side of the force and they're not intrinsically necessarily yeah well you get them really interesting bad like, or evil the whole nine nine story saga you get a really interesting view going from this beginning place where you have these very stark differences between the sith and the jedi and good versus evil and Mm -hmm. you know like or at least these believed or contrived very stark differences to then ray and kylo where you have both of these individuals being very torn and conflicted and you see both the light and the dark in both of them and even that conversation with Luke explaining as the force is this, mm-hmm. you know, balance between life and death and, and that symbol on the floor and all of that is right after he's like terrified of her yes. exploring any sort of darkness in herself, you know, and it's like, nope, don't go there. Like, you know, like, you can't even touch that. Like fear and it's shaming. Yes, like, it is. And, and all of that, you know, like, and I, I love then when you get Yoda like laughing about the tree burning and then, you know like something's needing to like die you kind of get this sense that like maybe maybe they've approached this whole thing kind of wrong <laughs> yes. or maybe or maybe it is a little more like you you get to choose and you have both these things in you and sometimes we have to you know like I think sometimes we have to know that we have the potential to do wrong and to make these yes. evil choices in order to avoid them like you know, and we just think like, oh, well, I would never do that. Well, right. Yeah, I, like, you're, you're just kind of setting yourself up to do it, right? And you see that in Anakin. Yes. Like, you, you see Anakin kind of clinging so much to this, like, well, I have to have this and I'm not going to be that. And, and ending up going down the path he wants to avoid, you know, like. Absolutely. 
there are a lot of those kind of you see this interesting arc over the course of the whole thing yes of of even that arc of absolutes like and and it's interesting that actually the obi-wan is like only the sith deal in absolutes and i want to be like obi-wan listen to yourself like right and even that statement is like an only you know it's an absolute but it's such a blind spot and i really i seriously hope that they had him say that on purpose Mm. that it showed their blind spots yeah and i loved that moment with yoda as well in in the last Jedi (laughs) episode eight where you have he basically brings out that it's your failures you know that that you learn from your failures and that that hiding them and pretending that they're that they're not happening doesn't do any good learn from them learn from those mistakes pass on that knowledge that wisdom and you get the feeling that yoda has actually gained a lot of wisdom since last we saw him yeah you know at the end of you know return of the jedi he doesn't talk very much in that he has grown and changed and probably the viewpoint yeah. of how he sees it has changed. I I actually like what they had, you know, some people didn't like the characterization of Luke and I actually think it made a lot of sense for me that he would start to buy into his own brand. Yeah. And be like, well, I did this and he has a blind spot when it comes to his own nephew and I like that he he doesn't just own his mistake, which he has to, like, and he's still yeah. in denial through part of it, which right. I, but I like that not only does he own it, but he actually atones for it. Like he gives a cathartic moment to, I think he's been an uncle there, um, mm. where he gives him the catharsis he needs, like yeah. Kylo Ren or Ben, whoever we want to see him as in that moment is still a, a fearful boy in some essence like who is living in that past and I think he's able to free him from some of those things Mm -hmm. um if you look at the how he actually acts he's actually hunched up like he's such a tall the actor it's such a tall guy and he's actually crouched down like like he's in this fearful position yeah it's really interesting choices that were done in that entire thing and I like that it is kind of that atoning, but also being able to get under his skin because I think he's able to really touch parts of him from a Kylo Ren is the mask. Kylo Ren is the facade over the broken person. And I think that you have moments where Luke is actually talking to the person, even, even with how the responses are. I think that's beautiful. And that end sacrifice moment is beautiful too and that i think mm-hmm. he has learned from his mistakes meaning luke has yeah but i also love in addition to that moment at the very end you know we've talked about how ray has had moments in the dark side as well like yeah. and i don't think it's intrinsically wrong like the dark side actually shows her that you know she is going to have to deal with herself that there's right. no cheat coding out of it even though they they bring it back around in the rise of skywalker which the palpatine reveal is not my favorite like i i just i wished that they didn't feel the pull or need to give her a legacy i like the idea of someone 
coming from nothing, being able to be a force user so that it wasn't quite so, you need to be related to the Skywalkers. They're like, um, but having like put a pin in those things, I love that at the end, she has a yellow lightsaber. And it's actually in her old um, kind of double-sided weapon, um, which was beautiful. But a yellow lightsaber is actually kind of in between the Jedi, you know, green and blue, and then the like red Sith ones. It's kind of a mixture of those things, which I think was a little bit on purpose that there's this concept called gray Jedi who kind of are in the middle and they're able to wield both sides of the force and it kind of gives the feeling of balance in that sequence when you see her at the very end and i i wonder if that's all kind of to bring that all back around that that's that's the balance of not just being a wielder of one but being you know being a wielder of both Hmm. and in some ways that kind of fulfills a little bit of that prophecy prophecy. of that balance Hmm. which I'm not sure if it's true, but it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting concept. And I yeah. the yellow lightsaber was really fascinating to me. <laughs> I think something that is done well in this is or in these movies is that there are so many the world building is so rich and complex that people can kind of take away from it what they want. Yes. So even even when you were pointing out like the different ways that the forces described at different times throughout these movies, like that makes so much sense, right? Like no one understands something exactly the same way. And so in, in a real and complex world, you're going to have different definitions and different explanations for different things. And even like little symbolism things like the, the color of her lightsaber, like those are the kinds of things I think that make people who consume stories like this really geek yes. out because you can kind of interpret it how you want and you can kind of um, understand it the way you want. And it makes the world so much more interesting and you can kind of make it your own. Um, I love that which I think is really brilliantly done in this. I, I think so too. And especially from the standpoint of not, not spelling something out, not yeah. giving you, this is the definition and this is what it means. Yeah. Because even as we're talking, it's like, oh, this is what I took from it. Like, right. <laughs> like this is, I'm bringing my baggage. I'm bringing my own, like the way I see life. And that's what I take from it. And yeah, I, I think actually when they keep from, being overly prescriptive, that's where, when it's at its best. It, yeah. And that's when really we look at mythology and fairy tales yeah. and things like that. That's, we've talked about that before, that being able to bring yourself to those stories are some of what makes them stand that test of time, which I, I think is, it's one of the, those beautiful things about how the world is so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. And it well, is, I think you're right that like leaving some open-endedness is kind of how you do that. Like, yes, giving, you know, um, leaving it open to interpretation a little bit, not Absolutely. explaining everything away. Absolutely. And I think the heavy use of, you know, as we said, like symbols and yeah. things that kind of have different iterations and even just subtle variations. We've talked about like in theory about like the loss of hands and mm-hmm. you know it, it becoming a ma- mechanical hand and what does that mean and it's yeah. funny because there are so many people who, <laughs> who talk oh absolutely like and there are essays on like 
why? Like, uh-huh. why should they lose their hands? Why does someone lose a hand in each film? Yeah. Um, and what does it mean when they get the mechanical hand? Mm-hmm. And certain wounds, like, it's interesting because Darth Vader actually gives his son the same wound that he got. He cuts off yeah. his hand, um, the same one he got from Count Dooku. And you're, you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, often we pass on wounds to the next yeah. generation. And there's so many things like that, that you could just go on and on when you have all these symbols, you know, the symbols of the masks, the symbols of hoods that are covering people's faces. And what mm-hmm. does that mean? And, you know, Amidala, when she's, she's sometimes herself, but she's sometimes not. And she's often covered in so much makeup and, mm-hmm. and it's with these crazy headdresses. And you're like, what does all that mean? Like, right. what is all those things um were at work in that symbology and and you can create a bunch of different ideas from that i i think there are so many different ways it could go in and even having some of those again yin yang like we all kind of bring what we feel about those things in um and what we feel about balance and what we feel about hope and about love and about hate which I was just, um, I was watching a masterclass. I can't remember who it was actually, because I was, I was watching like the trailers for a bunch of them and I think it might've yeah. been in a trailer, but, but <laughs> someone was talking about how you, there's no one interpretation for any story and yes. that every story, no matter what story it is you're writing, it's going to mean something different to everyone who picks it up. And I, I think that's really beautiful. Like there's something really yes. amazing about that. Like it will mean something to you as the writer sure but you you can't control how other people are going to read it and you shouldn't try to you know like one of the great things about star wars is that people do own it themselves and they kind of take on that meaning or that part of it that they like or their favorite character or whatever and they they internalize it in a way that i think is really um it's fun you know it is <laughs> i think it i think it's interesting as writers to give our readers space to do that and to let them interpret it the way they want to and not try to control what they might think of the work or how they might interpret the world. I love that. And I think the, the ways of doing that, you can do it in so many different ways, like having something there that just stands alone that you know that it has some meaning, but you don't ascribe anything to it necessarily. You know what it means to you, but you don't have anyone come out and say something a, a little bit too on the nose. Yeah. And and that's actually one of the things that I think the prequels suffer from yes. is he is not a writer. Like he's an amazing visualist. He yeah. gets special effects. He gets setting up shots so well. Um, he isn't a writer. And some of the writing is just far too on the nose yeah. and far too, it just prescribes too much to it. That you're almost like, can we get some subtext here? Like, yes, it's <laughs> so true. Which, to be fair, like he, I think he did try to get other people in on it, on working on the script, and wasn't ultimately able to. A lot of people kind of pushed back and were like, no, it's your baby, you know, make it happen. And he had lost <laughs> a lot of the people who worked on the original trilogies. They went mm-hmm. off and did, you know, different things, or yeah. they were actually no longer living by the time he was able mm-hmm. to do the prequels. And I think. I think that is kind of evident. And I do think that looking at, you know, when you're doing even like romantic relationships and you're setting them up, 
don't have them say I love you, have them show it and have them like have those moments that of silence, like where they're grappling with something and like maybe not taking it to a manic point, like having it live in the subtleties. Yeah. (laughs) Probably being very unkind. I'm sorry. No, I think it's exactly <laughs> accurate. Like, I think that the dialogue is probably one of the weakest points in that in those first movies, and yeah. and it's such an important thing. And and I think you're right that that where dialogue often goes wrong, where where a lot of things go wrong in writing, is that being a little over over the top, or you know, like showing yeah. things too too much, or um, yeah, being a little too obvious, or and and really like where things the thing that hooks people is that subtlety you know like yeah. i think where you can be subtle is where you can really pull a reader in or a watcher or you know like, yeah. um, which which i think actually jj J. abrams like him and his mystery boxes what he is very good at is enticing you in like yeah getting you there and being like what is this i'm seeing like yes. and you're like and you Mind see blowing. that you see that yeah. so much more of that subtlety in the last three movies than you do in the first three, you know, and, Absolutely. Um, and so much more of that subtext and like, wait, does that mean more than this? Or <laughs> they're actually like, saying, and there's something going, going on, on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so much of that in the last three movies. Which, maybe, maybe it could be a little clearer. That's exactly. I'm like, oh, maybe. You kind of got like, the two extremes on this. Yes. I and that's where I almost wish I think J.J. Abrams was the perfect director for the first one for TFA um, The Force Awakens yeah because he is so good at setting all that up I wish and and they had reasons why he had to come back and do The Rise of Skywalker I wish they had gotten either someone else to write it or someone else Hmm. to direct it and write it because I think he's not good at giving satisfying endings and we we can see that through you know lost yes, we yes. can see that through no, i'm not having to go at lost i just mean like no, I know. <laughs> sensible explanations for all yes. the crazy that you're like wait you're not gonna explain any of that yeah um and i think i think that is one of the areas in which it does suffer in the last chapter sure. but i i think having that where you're sitting you're leaning in i i think ryan johnson did a great job of it kind of explicating what he could and kind of giving some additional interesting things yeah. um i think the all the different couples that are possible in the yes. final three i'm like i'm pretty much here for any of them because, yes it's so true but they they are you know i i absolutely love john boyega i love finn with anyone i'm like i'm here for it yeah. <laughs> but they're all so um the, the chemistry is so good between yeah. the cast in general that I think there's some of that that you see them interacting and you can tell like almost innately like there's this really good sense of connection. And I actually am one of those that I got to the end of The Rise of Skywalker and I'm like, okay, bring on the next, like you could move on for the Skywalkers. They've kind of done enough damage with all their extra on the <laughs> galaxy. Let's, you know, let's see a spinoff of like Finn and Jada going go. and freeing the stormtroopers yeah. and like teaching them what they learned. And I think that there's so much potential for what yeah, they could for it to do. do. 
next and where the story could go with that cast of very interesting characters. I mean, obviously yeah. they're doing a lot of things, um, but I think there's a lot of things that could still be mined there. For sure. Which also speaks to that, like, um, like I think a good story will set up good characters and yes. will make you kind of root for them and care about them and want to see what's going to happen to them. And, and I, I think that that, I think you see that particularly in the last three. Like, there's some in really interesting side characters. Yes. Um, that I want to see more of. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> do you have some favorites? Oh, gosh. I mean, I really would follow any of them. Nope. I feel like, like, what's the... I'm so bad with names. You no, know it's that. okay. But what's the, like, mechanic gal who, like... Rose Tico, yes. who I love. I like, really like her. She, I really want to see more of her. I, I love her, the setup of her story through, yeah. like, the beginning with her sister. And yeah. I love that character. I want to see her do something amazing. Totally. I, literally, yeah. I, I would see anything. And there's actually a Lego. Oh, I'm such a dork. There's a Lego Christmas Star Wars special, which they're they're riffing oh, yeah. on the terrible Star Wars special from the 70s. But they did a Lego Star Wars special, and they got a lot of the original cast members to do voices on it. And Rose Tico <laughs> was one of them. And I I loved the additional time with. Rose Tico and Finn and it was great it was it was fun yeah but I I love I mean I I love Poe I think there's yes, things I that I definitely watch more of him yeah yeah that they could do with him Chewie yeah. like I would love yeah. to see the adventures of Chewie and Ray like <laughs> yes that's so true like, <laughs> I totally watch that and, and he was like this supportive and lovely character throughout I think yeah. the the way he was played throughout the new ones and the, the nuance that they were able to give him that he actually did the stuff mm -hmm. um, a little more. And he wasn't just delivering, like, he wasn't setting up Han's punchlines. He was able to do a lot yeah. more in the last two. He had that yeah. beautiful moment. The actor, when he is grieving Leia, yeah. That like shook me. I was watching. No, it I agree. Like, oh like, my gosh. Yeah. But I'd love to see some of that. I mean, yeah. I I'm excited for the Cassian um pre TV series that they're about to do with oh, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh with K2SO. Um so we have the wonderful Alan Tudyk coming back to play the robot who's snarky from nice. Rogue One. Yeah. Cassian. <laughs> Um, who that actor is just lovely. Like I'm excited That's to fun. see the two of them quit back and forth. I think that will be pretty fun. Yeah, that's really fun. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really here for that one. But I, I must say, like I absolutely loved Rogue One. I, I, did I too. connected I'm with super it really upset closely. With ending, but... Oh, I, I know. <laughs> but like, it does set up this, like, yeah, the story yeah. so much better. It does. Like, like, you care so much more about that opening so i cried during like the next time after walking watching rogue one the next time i watched a new hope i cried during the opening crawl yeah. <laughs> and i do think that there's something amazing that's what story can do is it yeah. recontextualizes a story that's been out there for you know years 
right? <laughs> like it gives it new meaning and a yeah. new, you know profound sense of purpose. Before you're almost like, oh, good job, random rebels whose right. names I don't know, and now you know their names and you know what they sacrificed. And I was upset too. But then like the story writer side of me was like, yes. oh, they are geniuses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and even then, like I, the musical setup for that are just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. After that moment, you're like, wait, the story's still going. Mm-hmm. And then when they literally push you into the next moment, yeah. one, that makes the very beginning very funny because Darth Vader just saw your ship fly away like, right. <laughs> you're like i'm on a diplomatic you know mission and he's like i just saw you like eight hours earlier like, <laughs> but it it also it gives you a punch yeah. to like connect it to the to the rest of it as a whole yeah. and i think even just that moment you know we could talk about if the moment plays as intended completely but when she's holding that those plans and they're like, you know, what is it? Basically, like asking the question of like, why did we do all this? And she says, hope. And you're like, mm-hmm. then it's just like the whole yeah. point of it all like hits you again. The, you know, that's the hope. Yeah. And then it goes into the next ones. It gives you to this like glimpse uh, kind of behind the curtain. I like this idea. Mm-hmm. I think there's kind of this sense in the original nine that like you don't kind of get the idea of what's going on in other places in the Absolutely. Galaxy. Like, you're kind of just removed from all of that and then you're following like this one story in this right. <laughs> like and it's i think really, one does a great yeah. job at like reminding you that oh there's a lot of people fighting this war yes. and some of them have actually sacrificed a lot and given up a lot to get this one family or this one story to the place where it you know needs to be it gives you that broader view i think of the universe absolutely powerful I, I think so too. And so the one sequence that I think really does that well with actually in the original, not or within the Skywalker nine mm-hmm. is actually Canto bites. When you see the boy, he has the ring and then you come back to him again yes. with the broom yes, and you realize true. he has the force. Yes. And I'm like, I want that story. Like, yes. Totally. I want to sit here and I want to know the broom child story, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I want to see what happens because there's so much. And that's, I think, as long as they tell stories and are conscientious about how they do it, I do think that there's so many points in the galaxy that they can show. And I think the power of Finn as a character is he is the first time a stormtrooper takes off his helmet. And then you get into where he's talking about himself, you know, about the family that he was taken from that he will never know. And you all of a sudden realize that these stormtroopers who have just been blown away, you know, for stories upon stories and you really never gave much yeah you realize there's people on the other side too like absolutely like you get the very difficult yes queasy feeling of oh my gosh these people are trapped as well in this system and again i i hope that that stormtrooper story someday plays out even if it's with someone else i hope someone explores that of what that looks like 
I mean, I would, I would love to watch Jada's story and how yeah. they all, you know, lay down their arms. Right. I'm, I'm here for that. I'm totally <laughs> you know, it's true. <laughs> like Disney people, if you ever listen to this, that's where yeah. you need to go. But that's, that's the beauty of it is like the finding the moment that you haven't looked at changing the lens on it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if it was just that they did another Star Wars trilogy mm-hmm. without having thought those things through from a story perspective, it wouldn't have had the same impact. I think yeah. by changing the ways in which they told the stories, even by being subversive yeah. um, to the point of confusing some people, I think that that was good. And I love The Last Jedi in that they really challenge a lot of preconceived notions. And I, yeah. I think doing that will help kind of free it as a construct even going forward that you you kind of reassess more options for storytelling down the line yeah yeah and reassess what you know which I think that always asking what if changing your viewpoint that is always a powerful story choice tool however you want to look at it for sure yeah Yay. Yay, Star Wars. I probably could talk for another hour, but I probably should not. (laughs) It's true. Well, I mean, and and exactly to that point, there's just so much. It's such a broad world, you know, like the world building is so thorough and complex and massive that there's so much you could talk about and so much, so many places the story could go. So it's exciting to to watch and to see where it's going to go and and what's going to happen next with it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I have been watching The Mandalorian. and I have too. F- it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it, I think even that, like, it, yeah. it, it takes another look at The Mandalorian and who they were and mm-hmm. even who Boba Fett is and yeah. fits in with that. And I'm, I, where, where are you in The Mandalorian? Just we so finished I- it. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. I can't wait for Ahsoka. Like that, I am like, I am so here for Ahsoka and I yes. love, I love the casting. So I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm very I'm excited. excited. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Go watch all the Star Wars movies. Yep. <laughs> and then tell us what your thoughts are on it. Cause obviously yeah. ours aren't the definitive <laughs> thoughts, but um, yeah, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on what's your favorite movie you know what's your favorite moment yeah for sure you can uh, share that in comments or find us on instagram that's kind of where we hang out a little bit more and we would love to connect with you there um thanks for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you keep reading and and watching things and exploring stories and um and keep creating your own too and putting them out in the world because we like them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world needs it. Yes.